window of opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 11, Prometheus. Yay! We finally have a ship. Sort of? (laughs) Sort of. Yes. 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 (laughs) I mean, it's not in our solar system anymore, maybe not in our galaxy, I don't know, but... We have a ship. It's not infested with anything. There's no, like, technology taking over stuff. And there are members of the SGC on board. So, <laughs> so we have a ship. Technically, yes. Technically, we have a ship. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have, I definitely have a big question about this episode which oh i will get to yeah i'm i if if it's what i think it is i think rick had the same question and concern (laughs) (laughs) which we'll get into oh okay well let's do it okay so as we said this is prometheus it originally aired on august 23rd 2002 it's written by joseph malazzi and paul molly and directed by peter west and on the commentary we have peter west the director of photography andy wilson and the chief lighting technician rick dean so this was a sort of very technical commentary not not a lot of fun really behind the scenes stuff but if you're interested in lighting and special effects and that kind of thing there's some interesting stuff in there Well, that's definitely, that definitely makes sense for this one, having a big old spaceship on there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, in this episode, a news reporter threatens to expose a top-secret military project, but when Sam and Jonas give her a tour of the X-303, they discover that she is a pawn in a much larger plot. (gasps) No! Yeah. All right, so this episode starts with a previously on from Desperate Measures just to get everybody up to speed and to let you all know what this episode is going to be about and the characters that will be involved. Okay, when stuff like this happens, does it spoil the episode for you when it sort of recaps? It's like, why are you recapping this? Oh, because it's going to have some important plot point to do in the episode. Does that sort of spoil then the surprise of they want Adrian and Simmons as freed as, you know, prisoners and stuff? A little bit, because you definitely know, obviously, they're going to pop up in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of wait for it. Yeah, it's always like, oh, where, like, where is it happening? How is it happening? Like, when is when is that plot point coming back in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the episode proper starts with Sam leaving a building, and she's in civilian clothing. So why she's there, where she is. Mm, who knows, possibly not official military business. Mm. Uh, and she is then approached by a reporter, Julia Donovan, with Inside Access, who begins asking her questions about like government spending and some sort of top secret project called Prometheus. The reporter also happens to have a sample of Trinium. Sam, of course, says absolutely nothing and just heads off in her car. But we're left like, how? what does this reporter know? How does she know it? What's going on? as we then roll the opening credits. So when they have scenes where they have everybody in civilian clothing, like, Mm -hmm. you know, going to their car or whatever, do you ever kind of watch to pay attention of like, how nice are they going to make their car? Or like, how how fashionable are they going to make their clothes? Or like, what sort of 
What sort of salary range do they want to give these people? So Sam is a Volvo girl. This is not the same car she had previously because the previous car we saw her driving was like a like 1960s Volvo. This is like a modern day Volvo, but it's still a Volvo. For so Mm -hmm. for some reason, Sam is loyal to the Volvo car company. Not a bad choice. No. My my paternal grandmother used to work for Volvo. Like as oh. a secretary. And apparently, according to my parents, when I was younger, I couldn't say Volvo. So I used to call it Volvo. I like that better. I know. This is the Volvo car company. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so we come back from the opening credits and Sam and his, Sam is in Hammond's office telling him about what happened with the reporter. And he's like, you did the right thing. You know, deny, deny, deny. Always. That's the, you know, where they are with all of this stuff. And he's gotten the Pentagon involved. They've tapped the reporter's phone and her email, and they've tracked her as heading to JFK. And they have sent Major Davis to intercept her. And we also learned that the report that she's, like, working on is going to go to air in four days. I'm not entirely sure that the encounter she had with Major Davis, like, would have happened in real life. You don't think they would have sent somebody to be like, you can't do this? I don't. I mean... If it depends on how much they're sticking to the story of deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay. It basically confirmed for her. Yeah. She's on the right track with whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. So we then cut over to Julia, who's in a limo and she's like on the phone going over scheduling things when major Paul Davis, and this is the first confirmation we get of his first name being Paul, mm-hmm. which is great. And yeah, like, as you said, him showing up, Like, she's like, you being here confirms this is a story. Yeah. And, like, she does have a point. It's like, if you're denying everything, don't send people to, like, threaten her, quote unquote, by, like, not. He's like, I'm not threatening you. But he's like, he's threatening her by, like, not threatening her. Right. Yeah. 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 We do learn, though, that at this point, she thinks Prometheus is some kind of fusion reactor. So... Whatever the leak is, isn't 100% accurate or true or, you know, has all of the knowledge that of what this actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so he leaves and then he's back at the SGC discussing this encounter with Hammond. And Davis thinks that she could be a problem. And even though she doesn't know that Prometheus is like, oh, ship, she does still have the trinium sample and she has the money. And in these cases, it's always the money. That's the problem. Follow the money, find out where it goes, you know what's going on. So Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they unfortunately have not been able to track down the leak. It could be, he says it could be, you know, a technician working on part of it, or it could be Senator Kinsey. Who knows? But they're working on it. So Hammond then gets on the phone to the president. We then cut to Sam and Major Davis at the TV network offices with Julia's producer, And she comes in and her story is dead after a call from the president of the network. And she doesn't like this, threatens to take the story to a foreign country. And her producer's like, that would be treason. So you can't do that. And Sam asks for copies of everything that she has on the story and she refuses. Davis, again, does the like not threatening her by threatening her. (laughs) Not saying, I'm just saying. He's so good at it. I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. So the producer then cuts in and proposes a compromise. At some point, whatever Prometheus is will have to be made public. 
if they would allow Julia to document whatever it is, then when that time comes, Julia and therefore the network would get the exclusive story. Until that time, whatever's filmed would remain in possession of the Air Force. And, you know, Julia doesn't like this because she's like, they would just destroy whatever we give them. But it's kind of the best thing that can happen right now. So this is the plan. Yeah, I don't. My whole question is like, okay, if she thinks it's like a fusion reactor or something, why don't they show her a fusion reactor and just make a huge ruse and not actually show her the huge freaking spaceship. Yes, there is that. Yes. Yeah. I don't, that's, that's my whole problem with the whole episode of like, why do they actually show her the real spaceship? Take her to something else and make it like, yes, we've spent $8 billion on this other piece of technology that you don't know what it is and it's never going to work and whatever, but here. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess the other thing is, since they don't know who the leak is, they don't know what information that leak could pass on in the future. So, like, let's just get it. Because I think the thing is, I think Al, the producer, does have a point that at some point, Prometheus will become public knowledge. Like, it, ha- it's a freaking spaceship. It will become public knowledge. So if there's somebody who's slightly on the trail already, let's just guide them where we want them to be and make sure we get the actual real truth out there rather than speculation and rumor and stuff that could be detrimental to what is a positive thing. Well, yes and no. I mean, you could also use the misinformation to discover the leak. Most likely, I figure, for this particular episode, obviously, the camera crew and everybody, they they knew what they were doing. They went on board with a purpose. Obviously, they had a mission. So they probably told her something else because she was the pawn. So she was probably the one that didn't get the full story, but whoever the leak was knew what they were doing. But if they kind of, like, used the misinformation to discover who was saying what mm. they were able to get at. Like if they said, oh, here's this giant fusion reactor, because that's what you said, you thought, and then you hear later someone's like, no, 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 that's not right. That's not what it is. You know, they can kind of get to the bottom of where the different stories are coming from. Okay. So do you think then the leak is somebody like Kinsey who's in with the NID, like from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I do. Interesting. Because okay. I don't remember whether or not that's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think we ever learn who the leak is. At least, I mean, if it is, I don't remember. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think we ever find out who that was. Yeah. Well, because you know, like on TV shows, how let's say there's like a really big cliffhanger, mm-hmm. they give different people different versions of the script so that if there's a leak uh, they know who's behind it ah uh, okay kind of like that gotcha okay yeah all right i can see yeah. where you're coming from all right mm-hmm. yeah 
Okay, so we then cut back to the SGC, and Davis is there with everybody else as they discuss what to do about the situation. And the producer had also said that if they do give Julia access to the Prometheus, then he would reveal who the source was, because that's really what the most important part is to the SGC at this point, is plugging that leak. So they're basically concocting a plan to give her the tour, and then once they get the name of the source... Once they get the name of the source, they'll just destroy everything, tapes, the notes, all of it so that she has nothing. And it would just be her word and rumor and speculation. And basically only the tabloid would have anything to do with her at that point. Jack is not having any of this. He thinks this is the worst idea he's ever heard, but it's what they can do with the situation that they're in. And so then Hammond orders Sam and Jonas to take the lead on giving the tour of the Prometheus and everything. So I think here's a sort of fun bit to talk about where uh, on a post on Joseph Malazzi's blog, apparently Rick had major issues with the script and the ease at which the Prometheus was hijacked. Like he hated everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's kind definitely that, too. About that. Like, that scene in a bit when Jack shows up and, like, yells at Davis of, like, how the hell did this happen? Like, that was basically Rick's thoughts of how yeah, the hell like, could this happen. This is supposed to be the most secure yes. place on the planet. Absolutely. Because yeah. there was nobody there. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get having minimal personnel because the fewer people you have in contact with like a television crew that they think are a legitimate crew. Although why they didn't search their luggage. That's a whole nother issue to get into. That like, is. That's I terrible. mean, I get having minimal people there. So there's fewer people for the people who aren't supposed to know anything to interact with and maybe get more information than what the SGC wants them to have. Aside from we have a spaceship, which is kind of, you know, the biggest thing but anyway so yeah well yeah well the other thing too is you learn that they were like most of them had military backgrounds wouldn't that kind of be a red flag in itself if you're like a decorated military blah 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 person who's now like a cameraman (laughs) i mean i get kind of say something of like hmm and you're all working together i mean i guess it would depend on like what work they've done like as a camera crew like are they a camera crew that has gone into war zones or gone into you know conflict heavy environments where having a military background would be of a benefit that's true you know I can see why you would want camera crews with military backgrounds if you're doing military stories all right that's true yeah that's fair but again we don't know that so yeah we (laughs) we do not yeah (laughs) So we cut forward, I don't know, a few days or something, and we see Sam and Jonas waiting outside this just little, like, hut in the middle of the desert with some SFs as they're waiting to meet Julia and Al, her producer, and her crew. And we see, yeah, it's just a small hut, but you open the door to the hut, and it's just an elevator. And this elevator goes down several hundred feet to the main building. And as they exit the elevator, which there's just, like, from a filming perspective, there was just, like, two feet of set like that little platform right in front of the elevator is the only actual physical set. Everything else was CG. Everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but as they exit that elevator, there's just a massive spaceship. And this is the Prometheus, which is also known as the X-303. And Julia out there, like completely flabbergasted because the holy, it's, just, it's a spaceship. But the, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. Um, 
And one of the things they also mentioned in the commentary is like the set for this was built very quickly, but the fact that the ship itself is also under construction was actually really beneficial because it meant they didn't need all of like the blinky lights and it didn't need to look perfect and stuff. So the fact that it doesn't look great and there's, you know, not lights in parts where there probably would be lights was, you know, it worked with everything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So they head on board and Sam reveals that the ship was built with a combination of human and alien technology. The obvious jokes gets made about little green men and she's like, no, actually they're gray. And then Sam adds that the alien technology was scrounged from a ship that crashed near Fairbanks in 1978. And Jonas is just like, Fairbanks? And Sam's like, it's a better lie than Roswell. So it's like, was that part of what Sam was told to say or did Sam just like make that up on the spot? Like... I don't know. I was still surprised at how truthful they actually were instead of instead of making up things that sounded plausible, like, yes. where did the trinium come from? Well, they could have easily been like, we found, because, you know, the reporter... It's in Siberia. Or... Well, the reporter said, like, it's not found on Earth. They could have been like, it's we found it in a meteor that crashed here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, yeah, they were mainly just like, it's alien. And you're like, you didn't have to say it was alien. Right. You didn't have to go into the whole story. Just like you could have said just enough or made something up that was yeah, just just believable enough. Yes. Where you could be like, really? But I don't know enough to not believe it. Yeah. Or, yes. I mean, they could have been like this, this crash on Earth from a meteor and we're building a spaceship to go where we think it came from. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they head up to the bridge first, which looks fairly normal, as Julie says, for alien technology. And it's like, well, humans do have to fly this ship. So it makes sense that it would look human-like in what we are used to as humans for driving and flying things. So yeah, I don't quite get why she's just like, this doesn't look aliens. Like, well, because aliens aren't operating it. So yeah, yeah. Sam also tells Julie about like the crystal technology, which again, yeah. why? Why? That's not necessary. No. Uh, But they leave the TV crew to get set up. And then uh, Sam and Jonas take Julia and Al and walk through some more of the ship as they discuss what's going on. And Sam mentions that the ship can reach orbit in 30 seconds. Will this be important later? Maybe. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, But she assures Julia, like, there are inertial dampeners and artificial gravity. So any people on board would be just fine with that very large burst of speed. But it'll still be a while before the ship is ready to fly. We get a quick cut back to the bridge where one of the TV crew people pulls a Zat out of a camera and shoots the SFs that are there waiting. And we see another one of the crew connecting a laptop directly to a port in some part of the bridge. And again, why was their equipment not inspected? Sure, you did background checks. You still check the bags. Yes. Yes, you do. Heavily. Yes. This is like the most top secret facility. You check everybody's bags. Yep. Metal detectors, pat them down. Yes. Everything. X-ray machines, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tour then continues in the engine room, and we learn that the ship can get up to 110,000 miles per second, which is half the speed of light. 
but in order to achieve interstellar travel, that's why they have a hyperdrive. We get another quick cut back to the bridge to see the SFs being like stashed away and who's ever working on the laptop is still doing whatever she's supposed to be doing. And it looks like there's like code scrolling through the screen. So who knows? They're doing something nefarious, though. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, back in the engine room, an alarm goes off and Sam goes to check it out. And it's because the hyperdrive simulations that were running were interrupted and there were no other tests that were supposed to be running that day. So that's odd. She calls up to the bridge on the internal communication system, but they don't answer, which isn't really too much of a worry because it's just possible that the communications system hasn't been fully completed yet. So Sam leaves Jonas with Julia and Al in the engine room while she heads back up to check what's happening on the bridge. We see that the crew now have like handguns along with the Zats and whatever was happening with the laptop is complete. On her way up to the bridge, Sam runs into two of the crew and one lies that they need another battery pack from the truck and she notices the gun, manages to get in some shot like kicking and punching and like knocks their guns out of the way and she runs off as they fire a zat after her luckily missing. Yay. Jonas is poking around in the computer and notices that systems on the ship are being locked down. He can't stop it, but he can try and slow it down, which apparently Jonas has gotten a really thorough crash course on Earth human computer technology well he's a quick study so there is that for every they're using that as a catch-all for jonas can do anything he needs to yes (laughs) so sam is still being chased through the halls manages to duck into a storage room and just as the others round the corner we see the door closing one of them radios to the woman who's still up on the bridge to lock down the door of that storage room so sam is now locked in there Back in the engine room, Jonas does some typing on the computer and up on the bridge, we see that Jonas has apparently started running a full diagnostic, which, you know, interrupts whatever stuff they were doing. Jonas then pulls the main control crystal, which why doesn't that shut everything down? I don't know. If it's the main control crystal, you would think that would just shut everything off. You would think. I don't know. And then like just but he just then stashes it somewhere as everything on the ship keeps running, even though the main control crystal is no longer where it's supposed to be. Back in the storage room, Sam's trying the ship intercom again, but it still does not seem to be working. The crew guys head down to the engine room and Jonas and everybody's still there. The crew guys have their guns and that's drawn and they're like, move, get out of the way. And the woman who's up on the bridge radios down about the computer issue that whatever they've been doing has been interrupted. Al immediately rats out that Jonas took the control crystal out and gives it back to them from wherever Jonas had hidden it. He hid it like, what, five feet from where he had taken it? Yeah, it was like hidden in somewhere. (laughs) Just like that was, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we see then Sam poking around the control room. She finds a screwdriver and like starts taking apart the intercom box that she was trying to use earlier. So, of course, Sam's going to do some, you know, sciencey, techie thing and get it working because that's what Sam does. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy watching that. Yes. Uh, Down in the engine room, we see that they get the diagnostic shut down and they start back up whatever it is that they were doing before. And according to Jonas, they're starting up the hyperdrive engines, which... This is a very bad idea when you're underground because the resulting explosion would completely destroy the state of Nevada. And the bad guys like that won't happen as long as their demands are met. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are demands. 
this is okay. so this is this is not just a hijacking. There's like something else happening. Mm-hmm. Back on the surface, we see that the command center has now been set up, and Jack arrives immediately, yelling at Major Davis, "We're like, what the hell happened?" Which, according to Major Davis, is this: at approximately 0900 this morning, the X303 was put into lockdown mode. At 0920, we received a communication from someone inside the ship informing us that they had destabilized the hyperdrive. They're threatening to blow it. So, this all happened very quickly. Mm. And Davis goes on to assure Jack that they did do a full, thorough background check on the camera crew. Everything came back clean. The guys had also been at the network for over a year. So, this isn't the case of suddenly, oh, there's a whole new camera crew appearing out of nowhere. Surprise! Like, this this has been in the works for a while, which is very interesting. And this is like, okay, there's like long-term plans and scheming happening behind the scenes mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Airman then interrupts them that a communication is incoming from the hijackers. And we learned that what they want is, it's, it's simple. They just want the release of Colonel Frank Simmons and Adrian Conrad. And they have three hours to comply. Oh, you know, no biggie. It's, you know, the release of prisoners, that's that's all. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a quick cut back to Sam, who finishes getting the radio set up and connected, but she's still not able to get through to anybody. Back up on the surface, Davis is on the phone with the Joint Chiefs, who are calling an emergency meeting to discuss the situation. And just then, another airman picks up another signal from inside the ship. And it's Sam. They've got her. Great. Fantastic. She confirms it was the camera crew, like where she is in the ship and what's happening. They tell her about the demands and that the rogue NID faction is probably involved because, you know, Simmons, Conrad, this this has the NID smeared all over it. Yep. She does also confirm that the ship will fly. Davis tells her that she's one level below where the sublight engine controls are, and if she can disable that, they'll never get off the ground. She does have a plasma torch, but it's going to take a bit of time to cut through the trinium that the ship is made of. And they're like, well, you got three hours, so get to it, please. Yep. Start now. So apparently Al, producer, was bribed to help these guys. A lot of money. Not that that's any comfort, because the only way he's getting off the ship is in handcuffs or a body bag, according to Jonas. Uh I like how Jonas is like suddenly, you know, up on all like the earth quips. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the hijackers is then like, who says we want to get off? It's like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Mm. We see then Sam get herself geared up and she turns on the plasma torch and starts working on cutting through the door. And according to the commentary, that is actually Amanda actually using a plasma cutter to cut through steel. Hey. So, yep. They they did say there were like several doors they had. So there was like the one like Amanda started cutting on. There's one that had been already like partially cut through and then the one that she finally like makes it through. So mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. That is actually Amanda actually doing that, which is very cool. Hey. Uh we then cut to Davis who's with Colonel Simmons in a van with several guards. Davis fills him in on the situation and either Simmons can help or they can turn the van around and take him back to prison. And there's a bit of back and forth between them. And eventually it's like, fortunately, Simmons is more than happy to board the ship and do his best to save everybody's lives. He just needs some new clothes first. Mm -hmm. Back on the ship, there's a problem. The settings on the ignition module were changed. And if they don't get it right, then the engine will just burn out and they won't actually go anywhere. And everybody turns to Jonas and he's like, I don't, I didn't do anything. Don't look at me. I don't know. He's like, yeah. So one of the guys pulled out the gun 
threatens him and Al steps up and is like, hey, this wasn't part of the deal. Like people getting hurt. It's not supposed to be this screwing people over. Sure. But not <laughs> getting them hurt. I love when that line eventually comes out where people are like, hey, whoa, whoa, this wasn't part of the deal. Like, who did you think you were dealing with? Yes. So uh, Al gets shot in the gut and dies right there. because. And everyone's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's like no reaction from anybody. It's like, <laughs> Julie, like even Julia, like who he's her boss. And she's just like, what? Oh. It's like, yeah. you'd think she'd, I don't know. It's like. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's dead. Okay. And then so Jones is like, all right, fine. I'll fix it. It's like, how do you know how to fix How do you know how to fix this? I know. Anyway, um, so back up on the surface, Took has arrived and Adrian Conrad is also there now. He apparently said nothing on the ride down. Also, they haven't heard yet from Sam. So who knows what's going on? But we then cut to her, see her making sort of very slow progress with the cutting torch. But it's time to send in Simmons and Conrad. Quick cut of more Sam cutting through the door. So we're like, okay, it's going, it's going, it's slow, but it's going. Apparently Jonas is done fixing the sublight engines, but of course he's like, you'll be tracked. So flying away isn't really going to do any good. And they're like, ah, there's the hyperdrive. And he's like, that's not working. And I can't really can't help you with that. Honestly, that's not something I can help with. But hey, maybe Adrian can... Ah. Rise. The gold is there. We see Simmons up on the bridge and basically everything's ready to go. He orders the docking clamps released on the surface. They're monitoring the engine starting up. And Davis mentions that deck seven where Sam is, isn't pressurized yet. By the time they reach orbit, she'll be dead if she can't get out. Simmons then, you know, calls over the radio that they have set up to ask Davis to also kindly retract the roof. And Davis tries to fake that they're having issues with the hydraulics. And Simmons is like, haha, you have 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. We see Sam has finished cutting a hole in the door, makes her way out. And I do like that little thing of her, like, putting the welding gloves over where she cut yeah. to crawl over it. Because that would be very hot. I liked that, too. I noticed that. I'm like, oh, they have that. Like yes. one thing that's realistic. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, at any point in time when Simmons and Conrad were on board and they were making the threats of like, do it or we blow up the ship. Like by the time they were on board and everybody got what they wanted, I really want them to be like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Blow it up. Blow yeah. up yourself. Cause yes. Somehow I don't think that's really what you're going for. No. Yeah. No. 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 We then uh, get Simmons counting down from 10, sort of interspersed with Sam running through the halls. She hears the engine start up. That's not good. Simmons gets to one. The roof opens and the ship takes off. Yeah, would not would not have happened. They would have no. had so many people flood that ship with military personnel. Yes, yes. And also just don't open the roof again. Yeah, like, yeah. You when, think you think the when, egomaniac Colonel Frank Simmons is going to blow himself up? No. Right. That's yeah, not going to no. happen. Or the Gould who like thinks he's everyone's superior? No. Not, no. Once they once they got on board, they should have been like, okay, okay, we got him. They're they're yeah. not going to blow themselves up. They are now in a contained environment. Let's go subdue them. Yes. 
But unfortunately, that's not what happened. And we see the ship fly up and it is in low Earth orbit. Tilk is like, is there a docking bay that we can get an X-302 into? There is, but they don't have any X-302s ready to fly. But as Jack says, they do have the death gliders from Anubis, which is from the episode Descent with that sunken mothership. And they flew off from under the ocean Mm -hmm. uh, on those death gliders. So Jack and Tilk run off to get to that. And Davis calls after them that the radar on the X-303 is incomplete. So as long as they stay like underneath it, they should be fine and like not get spotted by anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. We then see Jonas and the other hostages have been moved to another, like, storage room. And Julia's all just like, tell me Adrian's an alien. Like, there's no way this is hu- he's human. We're not going to live. So just tell me the truth because we're going to die. Yeah. And Jonas seems sure that they'll get out of this. And then Simmons enters with one of the crew. And turns out he's a big fan of Julia's work. So is Simmons behind this? somehow from prison who knows it's interesting i don't know yeah uh she's like i'm flattered it's like yeah Mm -hmm. i i have to say i do like her even though you don't start out liking her she's just like yeah great simmons then reveals that jonas is an alien and she's just like i'm sorry you're an alien jesus sorry what (laughs) yeah what and so they try to find out where Simmons is taking them. And he's like, that's not something you need to worry about. And Jonas is like, Adrian's a gould. Why are you working with him? And Simmons is like, well, it's in his best interest to work for us at the moment. And then once he's done doing what we need him to do, we'll take care of him. It's like, obviously, Simmons has never interacted with a ghoul before in his life. Yep. And we also learned that Simmons is under the belief that Sam is dead, though. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. We cut to Sam crawling through the ship as she's there's like wind whipping through the ship as it flies up into orbit. Uh, quick cut of the death glider flying up under the X-303. Quick cut back to Sam crawling now through some like vents. She's like made it to safety and shorting out some wiring that's on the ship. And then back up to the bridge where everybody who's not a hostage, minus Adrian, is and an alarm starts beeping and the sublight engines are offline. They still have power, but no control. And one of the other members of the crew is able to see where the wire is cut. And of course, oh, it's Sam. Arg, she's not dead. Curse her. <laughs> I love how that goes back and forth so quickly. I'm like, she's dead. Oh, damn it. She's not dead. She's not dead. No, she, is she dead? No. She's dead. Oh. <laughs> No reaction. Yeah. So Simmons orders the crew to go find her, but like, leave me one of your guns, he says. It's like, okay, we now have, we now actually have like Chekhov's gun in play. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so one of the issues with this whole, like not having control of the sublight engines is they don't actually have enough altitude yet. And if they don't get the engines back up and online, they'll just start falling back to earth. Simmons calls down to Conrad in the engine room to check on his progress of getting the hyperdrive up and running. And Adrian's just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. How dare these humans try and make a hyperdrive? (laughs) I know, I love that. I know, and Simmons just like, shut up and get to work. It's like, all right, fine. So Mm -hmm. we see some of the crew walking down the hall looking for Carter and like one of them is separated from the others. She gets that one who's off by himself. And, like, sort of gets the drop on him. But then the others come around the corner, threaten her. Those guys are then zatted from behind. And it's Jack and Tilk here to save the day. I loved Amanda's face in that scene, acting like the, oh, shit, I'm going to die face. Yes. I liked it. 
So we then see that the ship is losing altitude, but luckily the hyperdrive is ready. So Simmons orders them to fire it up using the coordinates they got from the Gould. Like, which Gould? Interesting. Is it like, mm. is, is it Conrad? Is it the Gould that's in Conrad or another Gould? Mm. We don't know. We don't know. Interesting. And then we sort of cut through everybody hearing the hyperdrive engine starting up and everybody's like, oh shit, <laughs> this yep. is bad. We then see the hyperspace window open the X-303 jumps through on the ground. They get the report that the ship has gone back up on the ship. Sam can't shut down the hyperdrive because the codes have been changed. And Jack's like, okay, well, let's just go find everybody else. At least let's get everybody else out of this situation. Simmons radios to the guys who'd gone after Sam, but of course gets no answer. So he leaves to go find them. But just then Adrian rushes into the bridge knocks him down and is like, I'm in charge now, ha ha ha, because I'm a ghoul. Uh, he takes out that one crew woman who's still there, starts like choking Simmons. Simmons manages to get his pistol drawn, shoots him, and Conrad dies. <gasps> no! Uh, Sam, Jack, and Tilk uh, enter the bridge, find Conrad dead, but the crew woman is still alive, though injured. She tells them where the other hostages are, and Jack tells Sam to stay on the bridge to keep an eye on things while he and Tilk go to free everybody from where they are. Jack and Tilk are making their way through the halls when Simmons whacks Tilk from behind. Simmons and Jack start fighting. Simmons' eyes glow, so he's <gasps> got the ghoul in him now. What? He manages to knock Jack down. Tilk recovers. He jumps into the fight. Simmons grabs like a big wrench and is like, I'll take you out, Shola. Ha ha ha. Because he's cool. <laughs> this fight scene, the whole thing is just ridiculous. It it's is. Just, yeah. Not their best fight scene. <laughs> no. Just then, the ship drops out of hyperspace, and it's enough of a distraction that Jack is able to sort of like shove Simmons away a little bit. Punching a code to open the exterior door that's right behind Simmons, who then gets sucked out into space. Jack grabs Tilk because Tilk then starts getting pulled out. Save him. Gets the door back closed. All is well. Already did it on Alien. Yes. Uh, everybody's back up on the bridge. The crew woman that's there asks after her team. And everybody's like, that's not important right now. What is important, though, is that Sam has no idea where they are. The woman speaks up about a tablet that had been found back when Mayborn was running things. It was written in the language of the ancients and had talked about a planet that had a stash of weapons and technology. That planet should be where they are. I did like that, where she's just like, there should be a planet here. <laughs> like, uh... and, yeah, and Sam's like, well, there's a whole Nequadria instability thing, so who knows where we are. And Jack's like, okay, well, let's just go home. And Sam's like... If I don't know where we are, I can't get us home. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, if there's no starting point, there's no direction. So, yeah. We cut to a bit later. They've taken stock of the food situation and it's not looking good. It's like, why is there any food at all on board? Like, there should be no food. Yeah, that is kind, kind of strange. I was like, why are they stocking food already? I don't know. Unless they had, like, the crew lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless just the people who work there, like, during, unless there's just, yeah, just, is there just, like, a week's worth of crew lunches on board? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Um, one thing Sam has been able to figure out is that they're at least 1,200 light years from Earth, which which isn't helpful. I do like how they put that line in. Yeah. How does that help us? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. <laughs> no. Uh, there's then... 
uh, a, something something's happening outside the ship. It's it's Asgard. There's an Asgard ship. Yay! Yay. Asgard are there. Uh, Thor beams aboard the bridge. I'm not clear if it's actually Thor or like a hologram of Thor. I think it's actually Thor because there was like that beaming light. I think it's actually yeah. Thor. Yeah. I thought it was Thor. Okay. But yay, Thor. And and also, this is the first episode where Michael Shanks is actually credited as the voice of Thor in the credits. So. Oh, fun. So he really did do it. Yes, he like, did. Like he came back. He came yep. back for Thor. Okay. He cool. did. Yes. So it turns out that the Asgard monitor all hyperspace activity that happens near Earth. And that's like, great, help us get home. It's like, well, turns out that once again, the Asgard actually need their help. Because the <gasps> Asgard home planet has been overrun by replicators. No! To be continued. No! Which it's interesting that it's a to be continued because these two episodes literally have nothing to do with each other other than this like cliffhanger ending. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so, I mean, the way this sounds is that they really just wanted to do the second part. But they were kind like, of. how do we get them there? And then kind they wrote of. a script that was not not so great. Lots of plot holes. Just you get to point B to then get to point C. It does kind of sound that way, possibly. Yeah. Because I will say the follow up to this is a really good episode. Yeah. So, so. I, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's what that happened with, because they, they wanted to do the second part, but they were like, how do we get them there? Well, that's possible because yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot of plot holes here. So many, so many plot holes. Yeah. Anyway, so that's Prometheus. Almost makes us want to pull out the old memos and be like, <laughs> <laughs> Check so many all prote- baggage <laughs> before you let people into top secret facilities. Yes, we're bringing the memos back out. <laughs> yeah, let's actually security check the yes uber important spaceship. Yes, please. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the episode title Prometheus. Um, all of the foreign territory titles were just Prometheus in whatever oh. language it is. Um, but just as a reminder, in case you're not aware of who Prometheus is, uh, Prometheus is the Titan who stole fire from the gods and gave it to humanity, oh. which, you know, the gods didn't like. And so his punishment was then to be chained to a rock where each day an eagle would come and eat his liver. Overnight, his liver would regenerate, the eagle would return, rinse and repeat for all eternity. No, less so, fun. Yes. Uh, he is also then seen as the creator of, like, human arts and sciences. because the whole fire, so that led to, like, the growth of humanity and the potential and stuff. Oh, so, yeah. you know. So in With some the way, spark of creativity, if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, in some ways, naming a spaceship after him makes sense. But there's also, like, eternal torment, which maybe not so great. <laughs> Well, but we'll see how well things end up for this spaceship. Yes. How long do we keep Prometheus? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think you do know. I think you remember. Maybe I do. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember if I remember. Yeah. Well, we'll figure out if you remember later. 
We'll find out in, I think, next week we find out, if I remember correctly. Yeah. All right. Should we get to some notes we have on the Discord? We should. Okay. So last week's episode, Cure, with, like, the whole Tritonin thing, we're like, you know, would you take Tritonin? What do you guys, what do you guys think about Tritonin? Because it's an interesting thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so over on the Discord, which, check the link in the show notes for the Discord, uh, so Tanith says Tritonin would be amazing on Earth, helping people who have had their immune system destroyed by radiation therapy or people with AIDS or even people with autoimmune diseases who need to suppress their own immune systems. So oh. many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, that's very excellent, which we did not think about any of that. But I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think we were I think we were thinking about it just from a normal, healthy person would you take it to then just never get sick? Right. Yes. Which is what they were doing on that planet, Pangar. Right. Yeah. Pangar. Um, but then he also was like, I never realized how many plot holes this episode had until listening to the episode. Like, yep, that's, that's <laughs> what we're here for. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Uh, then I am 88- uh, says, here are my thoughts regarding Hathor, Cure, and the big egg sack thing that the Gould Queens have. Remember that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she, uh, they say, what if Hathor, the symbiote, had grown a big egg sack thing inside the host's body? Imagine the head of the symbiote is inside the neck and skull while the egg sack thing is growing inside the torso, displacing human organs. It's kind of gross, but I guess it could kind of work. It's not like the Gould care about humans, so why not use the human host as a vessel slash vehicle. Ew. That I don't that's not yeah. a pleasant thing to think about. No, I I had replied <laughs> I, I, I replied, I had a similar thought, but then I would think the human host would look like she was pregnant. Instead of the uterus, it's the bulging egg sac, which I don't like those words. And it's just yeah. it's all just weird. Like you would think there would still be some sort of like yeah. you know, pregnant belly situation happening. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I mean it does partially make sense, but also not. Ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bulging egg sack. There's there's your pleasant thought of the day. <laughs> there, put that in the little blurb. Yeah. Do you ever like have a thought or like type words and you're like, I don't like the mental image that gives me, but I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. So. All right, final thoughts on Prometheus. What do we think? How do we like it? What do we, Wait, that what do we was read? the last comment? We're left yeah. with bulging eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's yeah. the last one? Yeah. Aww. Sorry. Quick, think about something cute. Bubbles. <laughs> Spaceship. Yay. Spaceship. Spaceship in a bubble. Aww. Yeah. yeah. See, that's better. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, I mean, I guess the more we talk about it, the more I get upset about this episode. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> when I watched it earlier, I was just kind of like, meh, I kind of have a problem with a few things. But the more we talked about it, I was like, this episode is just stupid. <laughs> And that is the conclusion I have come to from the beginning of the podcast to the end of it. Fantastic. Job done. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, like, I mean, again, pre-podcast, this episode is great. We have a spaceship. It's going on space. We're great. We're moving along. The Asgard need our help. It's great. And then you sit and think about it. You're like, this is dumb. Wait a minute. This wouldn't happen. None no. of these things should have ever, no. ever happened. No. Why? No. <laughs> ready then. Uh, all right. Well, that's Prometheus then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it gets better. It does. I know okay. it does. Anyway. All right. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, again, check the link in the show notes. Or you can email us at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Unnatural Selection. Bye. Bye.